Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Hello, Let's Get Vulnerable listeners. I have some exciting news for you. Right now, there are limited spots available in the ESL Relationship Program. This program is designed to take you from your current attachment style and move you to a securely attached woman who is attracting the kind of relationship that you deserve a healthy relationship, somebody that you can grow and build with. But most importantly, it is designed to take you to the version of you who loves herself and knows how to show up unapologetically in dating and life and to have fun dating. So make sure that you apply to the program as soon as possible as spots are incredibly limited. Use the link in my Instagram bio. It says apply now. You can also find the link in the show notes. It's your host, Dr. Morgan, and I'm so excited about today's episode. Uh, Before I get going, though, I have to tell you all, I discovered a new kind of chocolate Uh, It is the Cinnamon, Cayenne, and Cherries and Dark Chocolate by Endangered Species. Oh my gosh. Cinnamon, Cayenne, and Cherries. It is so good. I literally have to hide it because I'll, I'll eat the whole thing in a day, which, hey, if I wanted to do that, that'd be fine. But It actually makes me feel sick if I do. (laughs) Anyways, I love this chocolate. DM me if you've had it. Send me a DM on Instagram and tell me if you've ever had this. The cinnamon, cayenne, and cherries dark chocolate from endangered species. It is so good. If they want to hear this episode and sponsor me and just send me chocolate bars every month, hey, I would take it turn down a lot of sponsorships, but if they were down, I'd be down. I'm in. Okay. That's my random tangent to start the episode. Today, I want to talk about avoidant attachment. Avoidant attachment gets a really bad reputation. People are seen as cold, emotionally distant, lacking feeling, lacking empathy oftentimes. And I want to have us take a closer look at it. So with, and I'm talking about dismissive avoidant, right? In the last episode on the podcast, we talked about fearful avoidant, aka disorganized, 
But now we're talking about straight up dismissive, avoidant attachment style. And where does it come from? How do we notice it? We give you all the details. So here's the thing to remember is that we all need to have our needs met by our caregivers when we're growing up. It's part of survival, right? You need your parent to tune into you, to validate your emotions, to provide you food, shelter, support, emotional support, etc. right? It's part of development. We all need it. So the development of your attachment system starts so early on before you're even aware of it. The moment you're born, it's developing. Some researchers would say even before you're born, it's developing. So knowing that this avoidant attachment style is something that's been developing for a long time, okay? Didn't just happen. So these people are constantly labeled as a flake, aloof, unreliable. They're labeled as emotionally unavailable, um, as people who will disappear, right? Like there's all these negative, negative, negative connotations with people with avoidant attachment style. One way to look at it is, They are people who are fiercely independent. Their fear is that they will depend on someone else or that someone will depend on them. They're comfortable being emotionally distant. And here's here's one of the core things you need to understand about avoidant attachment. They associate intimacy with loss of independence. And if I'm avoidantly attached, my independence is one of the most important things to me. So with avoidant attachment, you're associating getting close to someone with simultaneous loss of your own independence. Okay. So what will happen is frequently someone with avoidant attachment. And of course, this is on a spectrum. I think I've explained this many times, but just to remember, not there is not one individual who is the same when it comes to their unique attachment system. It's all on a spectrum. There's always different behaviors, but it is helpful to kind of generally understand what some of those behaviors look like and how, how we could recognize this, right? So someone with avoidant attachment will really struggle with getting close. They'll really struggle in those beginning stages of a relationship where you're starting to maybe want to label it or you're having conversations about exclusivity, right? They'll, they'll do great in the very beginning where it's just all fun and games and maybe conversation is more fun and um, there's not that depth, right? But as soon as there is some deepening of the intimacy, someone with avoidant attachment will become very, um, what's the word I want to use here? (sighs) They will feel a need to be dismissive. And a lot of times this is unconscious. It's not like they're intentionally saying, oh my gosh, alert, alert, we're getting close. I need to dismiss 
But that's what comes up is this biological, (laughs) basically very, very strong urge to distance, to disconnect, to be dismissive of the attachment, right? And why does this happen? Okay, so oftentimes people with avoidant attachment learned early on that they could not rely on others to get their needs met or other things that happened is they had a caregiver or they had an early relationship or they had a sibling who took up so much space and kind of um, over, what's the word I'm looking for? Not helicopter, invaded. Someone who really invaded their own uh, personal space. I'm not really saying this how I want. (laughs) Hold on, this is live, so there's no editing, but let me try to explain this how I want. Sometimes with avoidant attachment, early on in their childhood, they had people who took up a lot of emotional space and they didn't feel that there was space for them. So this could look like a sibling who had a lot of difficulties, whether it's mental health or physical condition. This can look like a mentally ill parent. Oftentimes, children of parents who suffered from bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, et cetera, will develop avoidant attachment simply because their parent just took up so much space, so much of the emotional room that there was none left for them. So avoidant attachment comes from learning that there's no place for you to share your emotions and that it's not going to be available to you if you were going to. And if you did, it wouldn't be received well. And it also comes from maybe you had someone who was overly dependent on you and you were overwhelmed by it. So you learned it was so much better to just shut off from emotional experience and to avoid intimacy because you were so incredibly overwhelmed by the intimacy in the past. Okay, so at their core... If you have avoidant attachment and it is purely avoidant, dismissive, one of the really important things in working towards secure attachment is the realization that you can have intimacy and independence, that it is not either or, that just because you're becoming close to someone, that that doesn't mean that you're losing your ability to be independent that you're losing your ability to take care of yourself and have your own life. The journey for the avoidantly attached person towards secure attachment is a lot of understanding that yes, I can go internal. I can know what my emotions are. I can express them externally. I can set the boundaries that I need to set and I can maintain relationships, right? So it's safe for me to take up space. It's safe for me to set boundaries and I can maintain 
relationships because from their early experience, they were either completely let down or they were completely overwhelmed. So I think one of the things that's so important to realize is avoidant attachment. It's a, it's a coping skill, right? It's a way to feel safe. But at the end of the day, these people with, with avoidant attachment and myself in the past, having had disorganized, I know I've experienced times where myself, I've been avoidantly attached. Um, the, the real truth is even though you're pushing intimacy away, you still want it. You do still want it, right? Except the belief is that it's not available to you in a healthy way. So one of the really important things is, is changing the beliefs around relationships and changing the belief that I can be close to someone, I can have intimacy, and it can feel good. So I think it's also really important to acknowledge there's some real strengths with avoidant attachment. You learned how to care for yourself. You learned how to not rely on others. That is a real strength, right? So having that acceptance around that and saying, hey, yeah, there's times where this way of being really served me and it's what I needed to do to survive. And currently in my adult relationships, it's getting in the way of me having that close relationship that I really want. Sometimes avoidantly attached folks will get confused with narcissistic personality um, because they really struggle to hold space for others. They're much more comfortable talking about themselves. They will sometimes do put downs. Um, but all of those strategies are a way to create distance in the connection. You have to realize that with avoidant attachment, when, when you get too close, it's uncomfortable to them. The alarm bells are going off. So whatever needs to be done to create some distance will happen. And this looks like ghosting and not texting back for two weeks and, um, having a put down even. I know in a lot of times these are humorous. Like I can always tell someone who's avoidantly attached because they're constantly making fun of their partner. And it's like, oh, it's all in fun and games. No, they're below making fun of your partner constantly is some avoidant attachment and some distancing that's happening. Whether that's conscious or not, that's, that's what's below it. Um, and I think what's, what's really, 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 really important to know is that you don't have to stay stuck. To, to be fair, I, I feel that more often than not avoidantly attached folks, it can take them a little bit longer. It's, and sometimes it takes a real, I don't want to say tragedy, but a real wake up call for them to realize, oh, I really do want connection in my life. Um, sometimes it's, hey, this person who I thought I had an okay relationship with, it was meeting my needs. You know, I was, I felt like we were close enough. And then that person leaves them 
because they weren't getting their needs met. So that person leaves them. And then that's the thing that wakes them up of, oh my gosh, okay, clearly I'm not showing up in relationships the way I need to. So really, really important to know that no matter your past, even if you do identify with avoidant attachment, you can always move towards secure. And once again, one of the core things is really changing your beliefs about relationships and how you see relationships and empowering yourself to know that you're no longer the child who needed to use these strategies um, to not feel overwhelmed or, you know, needed to use distancing strategies, that you're now an adult who can set boundaries, who can have alone time and have quality time with a partner. You can absolutely have both. You don't have to choose. So I hope this exploration into avoidant attachment was interesting for you. Um, and I, I will totally acknowledge that at times I find myself talking more about anxious attachment. So that's why today I wanted to do this special episode where we focus simply on dismissive avoidant attachment. Uh, and I hope it's helpful. And if it spoke to you, if you're saying, oh my gosh, this is me. I really struggle to let people in. I have walls up constantly. I can never get past the three month mark in relationships. Oh my gosh, right? If if you are identifying with it, make sure that you apply to the program because the doors are closing March 15th. So I don't want you to miss out on it. So go to the link in my Instagram bio and apply there, or it'll also be in the show notes. Make sure you don't miss out on it because you and I both know that while you can be okay by yourself, you know how to take care of yourself, that deep down, you actually really do want that partner to go through life with, right? Okay. As always, I appreciate you all. We are almost at 200,000 downloads and it's just a little bit over a year. So I so appreciate all of you who tune in, who share the show with people. You're amazing. Thanks for consistently tuning in. Um, And of course, you know it, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. I'll talk with you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce, And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.